Today, we are kicking off a new series called Pure Desires. And if you're here for the very first time, you stepped into a hornet's nest because we're talking about sex in July. We always do. Welcome. Get excited about it. Get uncomfortable. Do whatever you got to do, right? Uh, but we're going to talk about Pure Desires. Uh, this series is rated PG-13, so if there's little ones in here, uh, younger ears, what we talk about over the next few weeks might not be appropriate. But let me just throw out a little thought on this. I think the age of having conversations with children is getting lower and lower and lower because they're being impacted by this stuff at a younger and younger age. So, so as parents, I just want to challenge you, have the hard conversations early, even though you're like, ah, I don't know, but because it's, it's out there and it's going gonna, it's gonna to hit them kind of hard. Uh, rated PG-13, we're going to cover topics that might not be appropriate. And so here's the question, why talk about sex in church? That's, that's a valid question, right? I mean, why do that? I mean, some of you are like, I can't believe they're doing that, you know? But I, I think there's several reasons. One of them is very obvious, and that is that God created sex. I mean, he, he, he created us as sexual beings. And so to not talk about one of the key characteristics of what God created us for, for things like procreation, to be a reflection in, in our oneness in sexuality, that's an idea. Uh, uh, here's one, pleasure. I thought I'd get a hoo-hoo from some people there. <laughs> all right. Come on. Don't get so serious. This has got to be. All right. Um, yeah. <laughs> a newlywed back there just said hoo-hoo. Oh, okay. But another reason is, sadly, uh, the church has really buried its head in the sand on this topic. And it's a huge topic that it impacts our society. I mean, I think that's why we should be talking about it, because we have, and I, and I as a church leader stand before you and apologize for that, um, because we haven't done our best talking about things that we really should be talking about, and we've let other people, <laughs> other groups, you know, decide or define sexuality for us, you know, the fifth and sixth graders, you know, I mean, right? Come on, junior high students, you know, the education system, instead of us defining it according to God's biblical standards and what he thinks to be true. Or is true. And then I think another reason is very simply this, and I don't think any of us would doubt this, that our world is desperate for a right perspective on sex. I think we're messed up. Anybody else think we're messed up? I, think, I, I just think we're a hot mess. I, I, I think sexually, um, and it's interesting that it says in history, if you go back and you do some history study, that every great nation actually imploded from within, meaning great empire. And you know where it was the great implosion? Was in their relativative idea about their sexuality and their interaction and relationships. It actually got totally backwards and it ended up killing the country or the empire. So that's kind of an interesting little side thought. But our world's desperate for a right perspective on sex. And in many ways, we've lost our way. Um, you know, we just lost our way. I, I feel like even now talking to you in a church setting that I'm having to kind of convince people that maybe we need to rethink what we're doing and how we live sexually, which is kind of a weird thought to think of. We, you would think that we would be in this context, in this setting, and that wouldn't have to be the case, but it, it is. We've got to rethink some of these things. So I, consider some of the stats, and these stats will rock your world. Um, every 98 seconds, someone is sexually assaulted in the U.S., 
I was trying to do some math. I was like, you know, over the next five minutes, you know, that's so many people. But I mean, in other words, there's, there's people being impacted and affected by this every minute and a half in our country. That because of desires gone wry or we're, we lost our way, all that. Here, here's another one. That, and if you do the math, that's over 320,000 people being impacted by things like rape and sexual assault every year. Worldwide, check this out. Sex trafficking of women and children is the fastest growing crime. It's actually superseding, you know, the drugs and all these other things that we normally think is worldwide crime. It's actually becoming the big one, right? Uh, a major driving factor is the ongoing growth of the porn industry. So pornography is in a direct uh, relationship to a lot of these pieces. And there's more and more studies that are coming out that are realizing the impact, the negative impact upon society because of pornography. And a lot of people, yeah, no, it's just a lot of fun. You know, it's not. There's a lot of danger there. There's a lot of uh, destruction. And so this idea of pornography, here's something that blows me away. 64% of Christian men and 15% of Christian women say that they view porn at least once a month. So it's not something out there. It's actually something right here. That there's a very good likelihood and and I think if we're really honest, that some of us maybe are battling with this kind of stuff right now. Because it's just part of who we are, and, and we have a hard time acknowledging that, but it's true. <clears throat> 57% of teens reported searching out porn sites at least once a month. 25% of all searches on the Internet are porn-related. That's crazy. I mean, it just, I mean, so, I mean, you start to think about it. Wait a minute, this thing is way, way out of control, and we're in the middle of it, and maybe not really aware of it. <clears throat> and more and more, here's, pornography is having an increasingly negative impact on marriages or, or healthy relationships, that more and more marriages are reporting the presence of porn as a major catalyst divorce. Matter of fact, over 50% of divorces right now are citing that pornography was some part of the problem. Huge. I mean, it's just out of control. Uh, so porn use increases the marital infidelity rate by more than 300%. In other words, it doesn't make it better. It makes it decidedly worse. Here's, here's a study that says that porn will diminish trust between in intimate couples. In other words, what many people think, oh, it's going to make our love life better. You know, it's going to put some sizzle in it. It's not. It's actually going to take the sizzle away. It's going to diminish the trust and diminish the closeness that you were supposed to have. Here's another thing that the study said. It said that it creates a false belief that promiscuity is natural and acceptable. In other words, it creates this idea, that, well, everybody's kind of doing it. It's no big deal. And then, so, so it's a big issue there as well. Here, here's another one. Um, it will actually degrade the attraction. And this one, this, I mean, this one, I, I see it ripple into other areas. It will degrade the attraction of being a family and raising children. In other words, it's going to step in and crowd out what I should be about in raising a family and loving my family, and being a family, and raising kids, and wanting them to be healthy and whole, and all those kind of things, it actually pushes that out of, out of the way. Crazy stuff. Here's, here's one that kind of, I've, I've noticed this on TV, 
but then I was reading the studies and found out compulsive porn users had greater impairments of sexual arousal in intimate relationships. How many are, are like me? It's like, dude, every time I watch TV, there's like five ED commercials. And I'm not going to tell you what ED is. You'll figure that one out on your own. <laughs> All right? It's like, why are they there? Well, I, I believe, my, my theory is, is that exactly like the statement I just shared, that it's causing such a problem, it's rippling into all other kinds of areas. And so I, I say all this for us to consider the stats today and realizing that this isn't an over-there issue. It's our issue. We have an issue here. We, we have a problem in this. And a lot of it, and this is why we're doing this series, goes back to our handling or controlling, if you will, or managing our desires. Our desires. In other words, we've allowed desires to get away from us. We've allowed these things. So what's the point? If our sexual desires are not pure and are allowed to go in any direction, in any time, in any way, without any godly guidance, it will bring about our own demise and our own destruction. That's simple. If somehow we can't get a hold of this idea of what it is to have a pure desire and to have a holy desire or a right desire, then we're going to struggle. We're going to struggle. And this applies, by the way, let me just kind of put this covering. It applies to every addiction in our lives, right? I mean, drug, alcohol, sex, eating, greed. I mean, all everything that we can possibly be addicted to because the desire goes in many different ways. But we're kind of locking in this idea, especially in sexual desires. And so in this series, I want us to consider together how our desires, especially sexual, are affecting us and how we might live with pure desires. And the Bible has a lot to say about desire. Desire, <coughs> excuse me, or longing is actually something that God placed within each one of us from the creation. So in other words, it's not, man, I wish I didn't have this desire. I wish I didn't have this ambition. I wish I didn't long for these things. It's interesting because that's the very thing that God put in you that you might experience the fullness of pleasure and intimacy with other people. So it's a good thing that God put in you, but when it goes awry, it becomes a bad thing, okay? And so this idea of desire is there from the beginning. He said, you know, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good of evil, there was desire in there that made you want to choose one of those things. And so it's part of who we are, right? That's just how we're shaped. And so that's not the problem. That's not the issue. And our desires are actually connected to our free will. In other words, I wish God would just take away my desires. Well, if he did that, then you wouldn't have free will. If you have free will and you have desire, then you now have a chance to choose what type of desires you will fulfill in your journey of life. So there's a clear distinction in Scripture then between what is called maybe good or godly or holy or spiritual desires those are what we want to be a part of, and all of us have the, the capacity for this because God created us with this capacity. And then there's this other side, which is either bad desires or evil desires or impure desires or fleshly desires, depending on how you read the text. So let me throw out a couple texts, all right? Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and so, so he says, Paul writing, so I say, walk by the Spirit, that's, that's one desire fulfillment, right? Spiritual desire. Walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And so he says there's this battle that is happening in each one of our lives 
that is whether or not I'm going to choose the spiritual, good, holy desire side of who I've created to be, or am I going to choose the ungodly, the evil, dark, impure side of who, I mean, there's a struggle. And so he's saying, hey, so I say, walk by the Spirit, choose that. Then Romans chapter 13, and this is our, our main key text for the whole series. It says, this is all the more urgent for you to know how late it is. This is all the more urgent for you know how late it is. Time is running out. Would you just say that phrase with me? Time is running out. There's, there's a timeline that's happening. There's, there's, there's a time continuum that's taking place called your life and called my life, right? Time is running out. He says, wake up for our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. In other words, we're getting closer and closer to the end of our time, okay? I mean, to the end of Christ's return. That's what he's talking about here. He says, the night is almost gone, and the day of salvation will soon be here. So, he gives instruction. So, remove your dark deeds like dirty clothes, like dirty clothes, and put on the shining armor of living, of right living, right living, because we belong to the day. In other words, you're, you're part of something that should be that. You're, you're part, you were created for that. You were made for that. You were shaped for that. You've made a commitment, if you have, to Christ to be different and set apart. I mean, he's kind of getting into that idea. We must live decent lives for all to see. Let's live in a way that everybody else can say, yeah, that's what it should be. Okay? That's what it should be. He goes on. He says, don't participate in the darkness of wild parties and drunkenness or in sexual promiscuity and immoral living, or in quarreling and jealousy. Now, it's interesting. I was reading through a commentary, and I thought, well, it's, it, there's three kind of chunks here. The, there's the revelry, drunkenness, wild rebellion kind of thing. There's the sexual side of it. And then there's this heart idea of quarreling and jealousy. And it's almost as though a lot of people would be hearing this, and they would say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not into the drunkenness or the parties. I'm not into the promiscuity, the immoral living. But it's almost as though Paul put it on the end by the leading of the Holy Spirit. But don't allow yourself to have the outward behavior, but the inward heart of you is still a quarreler and jealous. I mean, it's an interesting little thought there. But anyway, side note. So goes on. He says, instead, instead of that... Instead of, the, instead of that, you know, darkness and party and the desire that's the other side, he said, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. And let me give you real quickly just three observations from our key text. Just three of them, and then I'm going to close with a couple Big thoughts that's going to kind of launch us into the next couple weeks. All right? So here's, here's the first thing from our key text, is we need to desperately consider the time. The time. Consider the time. Consider the moment that you have. Consider the opportunity that you have. Consider the window. Consider the seriousness. Consider the time. Consider the time. It says... So this is all the more urgent, for you know how late it is. Time is running out. And there's a little phrase, wake up, wake up, wake up. 
Kind of like what I was talking about a few minutes ago with the statistics. We're just waking up. We realize, wow, this might be a bigger issue than what I thought it was. Maybe things are going on in a way that I didn't think were even going on. I, was, I, didn't, I wasn't aware. I was clued. Wake up. And really what I think this means is this, is that we need to realize that time is ticking and that right now you and I have a choice to make to wake up, get out of our slumber, if you will, and, and begin to live in the light of Christ's return. In other words, when Jesus comes back, I want to be doing this, right? Not that. You follow me? I mean, when it comes to pure desires, I don't want to be lost in this desire. I want to be lost in a desire when Jesus comes back. He goes, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I was looking for. And we're living in light of that within our desires, sexually and all these other areas. It's living with expectation, time of accountability, in other words, what was going on in this text is they were becoming comfortable with the idea that how they live doesn't really matter. In other words, they were getting to the point where it didn't really matter. Hey, drunken party didn't matter. Wild living didn't matter. Living promiscuity, you know, doing all these wild things, immoral behavior doesn't matter. I mean, greed, I mean, all that doesn't matter. And Paul's saying, whoa, 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 wake up, consider the time. It does matter. It does matter. And so really what he was saying is, wake up to what's going on. Paul was challenging those who called themselves Christ followers to live in such a way to be ready for his return. To stop acting and living as though nothing is wrong. And I think that's a big step for you and I here today if we're going to get past this idea of living on the wrong side of desire. I've got to get past this idea that nothing's wrong. <laughs> no, something's wrong. Something's wrong, and we're going to get to that in just a few minutes. So stop acting and living as though nothing is wrong. Don't get to the end of the story and wish you had lived differently. Don't get to the end and go, boy, I wish I wouldn't have made that desire my chief desire. Don't do that. And I think that's what Paul's really talking about here. He's saying, hey, consider the time. Don't let yourself get there. So that's the first thought. Here's the second one is to make the trade. Make the trade. So he goes on. There's actually a couple different ways that he says this. He says, so remove your dark deeds, and they're like dirty clothes, right? And put on the shining armor of right living. So he said, remove the, the darkness, like dirty clothes, put on the armor right, of right living. And then he goes on. He says, don't participate in darkness. He gives the list. And he says, instead, make the trade, Close yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, what he's saying is make the choice to get rid of the junk in your life because it matters. Make the choice. Make the choice to get aggressive with the junk, to get rid of the stinking desires. Jennifer and I, we, you know, and I, 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 somebody gave me a hard time because we talked about going on a trip, but we went on a trip a couple weeks ago, and we were walking, 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 and the temperature was like 100 degrees and it was streets, and, and we were checking out all these history things and you know, all that kind of stuff. When we sweat, you know, you just you know what it is when you just stand there and you just sweat, you know, just 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 you know, just nasty, right? I mean, all day long, you know. I mean, just just. And after a while, you know, you're you're getting. We'd get on a bus or we'd get in an elevator. I remember getting in an elevator one day, and I'm standing. There, I've been doing this all day long, and there was a couple getting ready to go out for a night, really dressed up, cologne. I'm like, oh man. I smell so bad. They're probably wanting to get off this elevator right now, right? 
and, and our clothes, I mean, just, they just reeked, you know? And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't wait to get back to the room and take a shower, get those clothes off, and put them out. And the, here's how bad it was. We put them in the corner, draped them over a chair. The next morning, I thought, man, who died in here? This is, I mean, it's like, what is, you know, it was my clothes, you know? I was just stinking clothes. And so, Jennifer, we tried to come up with ways, so we ended up tying them in a trash bag and stuffing them in our suitcase. And then we opened them up a couple weeks later. Right? Yeah, who died in there? Yeah, that's... But that's the idea that he's giving here. He's like, you know, that's, that's the dirty desire, dark desire that you need to get rid of is these dirty clothes. So make the trade. Get rid of the junk. Get aggressive. And, and, and instead of... Instead, and here's kind of a cool little thing that's in this text, get something that's worth showing off. He says, put on shining armor of right living. In other words, instead of walking that way and that desire, begin to make the choice, hey, I want to walk in a way that shines brightly and people want to be like that. I want to be the example. I want, I want them to see, wow, that's how it could be, you know, not something that is shameful or has to be hidden. It's choosing to invest your life in things that bring life, not take it away. It's, it's this idea of stop holding, in, holding on to the desires that leave you feeling miserable and worthless. You know, one of the things I've realized over the years, and I've made many mistakes in my own life, is when I do the, the bad desire or the dark desire or the evil desire, and you kind of go with that, you know, right? Uh, don't leave me up here hanging. I know you guys, <laughs> Right? That there's this misery and this shame that goes with it, right? I mean, it's almost like we, we live in the middle of the dot, dot, dot of the story. You know, this activity and then what I could be instead that I can make this trade. But in the middle of that is real misery. It's shame. What Paul's saying, he says, don't live in the shame spot. Don't live in that spot. Live in this shining spot. Live in this Christ-covered spot, which we're going to get to in just a second. So stop living the shame and start living in the presence of Jesus. I love this phrase. I've been coming back to it every day this week. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Instead, clothe yourself with the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, here's, here's I think, the big point of this whole series, really, is that pure desires are full of Jesus. They're full of Jesus. Here's, here's what I believe is a lot of times the problem with many of us in our desires. We want to try to make them, fix them, change them, and live a different way. And we try to do it, but the Lord Jesus is not part of the story, and so we always fail. We, we always get so far, we take a couple steps in willpower, we take a couple steps in right behavior, we take a couple steps, but somehow the Lord Jesus Christ is not the fullness of my life, and so therefore it doesn't really stick, and I find myself falling right back in the same spot. So this idea of being covered and clothed with Jesus, meaning being clothed with grace and wisdom and love and mercy and power and authority, everything that is in Jesus, that's what I desperately need if I'm going to even remotely get this desire thing right. I've got to somehow get to that place. But Jesus, because the absence of his presence is always the pathway to impure desire. The absence of his presence. If you go to Romans chapter 1, 
It talks about how those that were given to sexual immorality and all these crazy things, you know where it started is they didn't recognize or respect God as being God. In other words, they didn't welcome God into their lives. And because of that, the desires went crazy. That's what he's talking about here. The absence of his presence is always a pathway to an empty desire. Here's the third one. Last one is to begin to think differently. Think differently. Think differently. Don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires. Don't let yourself go there. Don't let yourself go there. Don't let yourself go there. I think so many times what happens is we struggle with our desires because we let ourselves go anywhere. We let ourselves go anywhere in thoughts or conversations or movies or whatever it might be. We just let ourselves go. And he said, don't let yourselves think about ways to indulge yourselves. Matter of fact, maybe the idea is maybe I should think on deep things. What's pure, lovely, holy, right, good, true, all that kind of stuff from Philippians. So let me close with this last couple thoughts. So how do we live with pure desires? And we're going to talk about this in the next couple weeks, but laying it out a little bit today. So how do we live with pure desires? And, and I've been reading, uh, one of the guys here in the church gave me a book uh, because we have men's groups here that really dive into this idea, especially in the area of pornography and just being free from those things. And one of the textbooks is called a book, Pure Desires, right? So I've been, I've been reading this and I, and I came across all kinds of stuff. I kind of wish I could have just came up here and just read the book to you. You know, it's like, man, this is really good stuff. But they list, and this is actually something that is applied to all addictions, right? Two important steps to finding freedom from unhealthy sexual desires and addictions. In other words, these are the two big steps. If I'm going to even remotely have a chance to get to this idea of pure desire and a healthy lifestyle and something that's not caught up in everything else that everybody else is doing, these are the two steps that I have to have be a part of my life. It's, it's non-negotiable. It isn't like, well, I got a different plan. No, this is the way it has to happen. And so there's two steps to finding freedom from unhealthy sexual desires and addiction. Here they are. Here's the first one, is to become aware. Become aware. To become aware. Sadly, a lot of times, people that are in a desperate, dark place don't even know they're in a desperate, dark place. They don't even know that that's part of it. And so we need to become self-aware. In other words, we need to see things clearly and fully, or at least to the best of our abilities, so that we can even have a chance to get to a place that God would have us to be. Here's what it says in Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. It says, search me, O God, and know my heart. I think it needs to be a God thing. It needs to be God, <laughs> come and do a work in me, expose something in me. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Verse 24, point out anything in me that offends you. That's a scary prayer. You pray those kind of prayers, all of a sudden things that you didn't know was going on in your life became aware, right? You start praying that thought, all of a sudden, boom, it starts to happen. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. And here's simply the truth. If we're going to find freedom from our evil desires and our dark desires and our impure desires, we have to first become self-aware of the why we do what we do and what we don't want to do. I'm just curious. Anybody do 
something in your life that you know you shouldn't do and you don't want to do, but you do it anyway? Right? Okay. The rest of you are liars, and we have a whole other series. Right? And it's almost as though, and you can go and read this. I, did, I should have put it in the read further notes, but in Romans 7, Paul goes to this whole dialogue. Actually, it's kind of a monologue with himself as he's talking about, he said, man, I keep doing the things I don't want to do, and I don't do the things I want to do, and I, keep, I don't know why I do this, and he's going over and over and all this kind of stuff, and his conclusion is, is because the human nature in me is out of control. In other words, the desires are awry. And chapter 8 starts talking about being spiritually guided with my desires. So we have to be willing to examine the why behind our addictive desires, our addictive mindsets, and our addictive patterns. Why do I do this? Why? Why do I get so mad? <laughs> right? Maybe that's one. Why, why do I go to the, the computer, you know, and I'm just throwing out ideas, you know, thoughts? Why, why, do I, why do I do this? Why is my pattern this way? Why is that? Really what it is, is we have to be aware of the traps of our impure desires. What's at the root? What's at the root? And it's, and it's interesting because it could be a, because of several different things, all right? I mean, but it kind of has a little bit of a pattern, if you will. Is it because of family dysfunction that I'm trying to fix or I'm trying to run from? See, some of us are here today, and we're struggling with the desires that we know that God hasn't created us for, but it's all because the family dysfunction that I've grown up from, I'm just trying to run from it or fix it. I'm just reacting. I'm reacting. And some of you are here today, you've never thought that maybe is my life and my problems a reaction to some of the stuff that I grew up with in the first place? It could be. That's, that's an idea. Here's another one. Is it... Is it because of a personal trauma that I'm trying to cope with? Is that what it is? I mean, is it, is it something I go back maybe even when I was a child and, and, and something happened to me or a, a loved one passed away or, 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 or a sickness? I mean, what, whatever, whatever it might be, a job that was lost, something happened. There was a trauma, and I'm struggling with the trauma, and I'm trying to cope. I'm just not really coping really well, and my desires are out of whack because of it. Is that it? Because i got to get to the root of it. i got to become aware of what is causing me to do what I keep doing. What is happening? What's going on? Is it because of personal trauma? Is it because of family dysfunction? And for many, if it's this <laughs> trauma or dysfunction, for many of us, it's the father wounds that we have experienced as kids. Either they were absent or they were abusive. It's, it's just a very real thing. It's, it's very real. And so I, I've got to somehow come to grips with that. I've got to become aware of that dynamic of who I am and why it's happening. Is it because we are following the lead of an addictive society and we've never actually stepped back and questioned whether or not that was the right way to do it in our society? Is that it? Maybe, maybe we need to be aware that we might have a mindset that mindset that's impure and it's tweaking our desires. In other words, we think we're worthless or we think we're unlovable or we think we're all alone and we always will be or we think I'm better when I'm high or, or I'm engaged in this behavior that always makes me feel good for a little while. Maybe the mindset's all messed up and you're like, that's my problem. 
I've got to become aware. Maybe the trap is that I need to be aware of, the trap, is the pattern or the lifestyle that I'm in. In other words, I've been doing this for so long, it feels normal. I've been doing this for so long, it feels normal. And now I am numb to the shame, and I'm numb to the pain. It doesn't affect me anymore. It must not be that bad. And that could be it. And maybe I'm even getting to the point where my lifestyle has no restraint whatsoever. In other words, I really don't care, and it really doesn't matter who gives a blank. And I've allowed the desires to get to the point where it's just totally dominating me. And I've never actually slowed down and said, why, why, why? Last maybe. <laughs> maybe the trap is my, cons- my constant denial and excuse that I, that I use to justify my, my behavior. In other words, every time anybody even gets remotely close to touching what's going on in my life, I give them my list. I give them my reasons. I was wronged. I was treated this way. I would this, 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 this. And we have a list of excuses, and it becomes the reason why. But really, it's not. It's just my excuse. Second thing. So the first one is become aware. Second one is become accountable. Become accountable. To ourselves, to God, and to others, to become accountable. James chapter 5, verse 16, the first part, it says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. There's something about getting it out in the open that changes everything. That changes everything by getting it out in the open. Here's another one, 1 John chapter 1, verse 8, and 10, 8 9, and 10. It says, If we claim to have no sin, we're only fooling our, say it with me, ourselves. And not living in the truth, but if we confess our sins to him, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all wickedness. In other words, he's willing to forgive the desires that went awry and give us a brand new desire that can live right. He's willing to do that. If we claim we have not sinned, we are calling God a liar and showing that his word has no place in our heart. So as we jump in the next couple weeks, and really we're, next week we're going to talk about finding healing from impure desires. How do you find healing from that? But today, I really think we just need to kind of get our boat rocked a little bit and understand we need to be aware. We need to be accountable. We need to realize that there's an issue that is on the table that somehow, some way, you and I, together, we have to deal with it. So Lord, let it be so. Would you pray with me? Lord, God, our, our world in many ways is just so messed up. And when we talk about sex and church, something that you made to be beautiful and, and pleasurable and all the good things that you put with it, Lord, we've messed it up in so many ways because our desires are offline. So, Lord, I pray right now that, God, you would begin to stir in each one of our hearts an awareness. You would begin to stir a desire for accountability. You would begin to stir inside of us this idea that we would consider it 
considering the time, accepting the trade, Lord, do all the things that we've talked about here today that we would begin to step towards that, God. Just one step, just one step. I'm just curious as heads are bowed and eyes are closed before the Lord that you would raise your hand and say the Lord is speaking to me about my desires today and he's calling me to something new that's me would you raise your hand yeah 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 several hands yeah Lord every hand that was raised Father I pray that you would just encourage them you would pour out your spirit upon them you would engage them in a way that they didn't even know possible that they might find freedom at levels they can only dream of. Lord, I'm asking for it in Jesus' name.